she's a hazard mitigation planner with Atkins in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, Ms. Cunningham is proficient in HAZUS and ArcGIS, utilizing both programs to support hazard mitigation and emergency management projects. She has contributed to local, state, regional, and university hazard mitigation plans across the nation, working in all aspects of the planning process, but specializing in risk assessment. In addition to hazard mitigation plans, she has completed community preparedness plans and post-disaster recovery plans using HAZUS. She's a FEMA authorized HAZUS trainer and a HAZUS trained professional. Ms. Cunningham holds a master's degree in city and regional planning from the University of North Carolina and a bachelor's of science uh, degree in environmental and resource management economic policy concentration from Clemson University. Um, she's going to discuss um, how she's used CDMS at the university level and some of her tips, tr tricks, and techniques for using it at, with local government needs. Uh, this call will, or this part of the call will be recorded for podcast. So before anyone has, if you have any questions for Caroline at the end, um, please state your name first so that we can keep track of who's asking questions. And um, if there's no other questions at this time, I'll hand it over to Caroline. Great. Thanks for the introduction, Melissa. And I'll go ahead and jump right into this. As Melissa said, We'll be looking at um, how we use CDMS for university analysis. Um, I think it's important to point out as well that a lot of the best practices and procedures that we use are also applicable to local governments. And um, just to kind of give you something to look at as we go through this, we're using USC Deeper as um, a case study, and we'll talk more about that as we get into it. So just to get everybody up on the same page, if you haven't heard of CDMS, it stands for Comprehensive Data Management Systems. You see, FEMA has a great definition, as I have it on the screen here. Um, but just kind of in my own words, it's a tool that we can use to get your data into Havoc that will give us enhanced um, inventory and results. Well, your next question, if you're not familiar with CDMS, might be, well, why would we want to use that? And the answer is, as the title of this presentation suggests, is to get beyond that box. We often say when we're doing like a level one analysis that we're doing an out-of-the-box analysis. So CDMS lets us get out of that box and enhance our data. And there's several reasons why you might want to do this. Um, some of the data in Havis is getting a little bit data dated, and we know that it's um, being improved with future updates. But if you just can't wait and you want it done now, then CDMS is a great way to get around that. And obviously, if we can put better inputs into the model, we're going to get better results, and that helps us better identify our risk and help prepare our community. So getting more into the actual presentation, um, as I said, we're going to do a case study with the University of South Carolina at Deeper, um, their historic campus, and we're doing a USC DRU, or a DRU plan for the University of South Carolina, and DRU stands for Disaster Resistant University. Um, plan, and basically it's a hazard mitigation plan at the university level. They're very similar in the requirements and the procedures to a local government hazard mitigation plan, but they allow us to get um, really specific with the buildings. We're able to go building by building with our analysis, which is a little bit different than our local government plans, which take more of a bird's eye view. And obviously this is an essential facilities update because campuses at our schools, so schools are essential facilities, so that's what we're updating in this little study. 
collecting all those data, et cetera. Once you get through that process, then you can get the CDMS and then you can run your analysis. But the biggest part is going to be collecting that data. So from that first bullet point, determining what's in habit, there's many ways that we can do that. We can look on our data CD, we could create a study region and view our inventory, or we can query it through CDMS. And what you're going to find is by definition, colleges are a single point in habit. It's a little bit of a problem if you want to do a university level analysis because we all know that colleges, they're not just one building, they're many buildings. They form a campus all together. So you're kind of forced to do some sort of data update if you want to do university level analysis. And this is just, I told you I try to show you some pictures throughout. So you see in orange, um, that's the outline of USC Buford, those little purple dots. If you notice orange and purple, I'm a Clemson grad. Um, how to throw that in since we're working with USC. But you see our school is mapped. I mapped all the inventory and you see our school is at the bottom. And that was the only school that showed up in this whole kind of general area. So in this particular case, the school, USC Buford was not represented in habits. But that really wasn't a big deal since we knew we were going to wave everything out and update it anyway. Now, that's practice that I found along the way is to use CDMS to get a template. And basically, just go into CDMS, um, query for whatever you need, be it a school, a fire station, or whatever you might want to update, and then you export it. And I know you can't see it. My point was I really didn't show you um, exactly what's here, but just to kind of get you thinking about it, that whole the blue heading with the white letters, those are fields that CDMS will accept when you're doing an update. So that might save you a little bit of time. You don't have to figure out, you know, what is CDMS going to let me update? That's telling you exactly right there what it's going to accept for your school update. What that doesn't tell you is what's required, what's optional, and how it's being used in the model. To determine what's required, what we're going to need to do is refer to what's called the CDMS Data Dictionary. Um, it's free, it comes with a software, you can also get it online, so it's, it's a very accessible document. And within that document, for whatever you're updating, it will tell you exactly what's required, um, what model it's required for, what format you need it in, all kinds of great information. And some of these attributes are going to be a lot easier to collect than others. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, and something that you might also notice here is We've got flood model outlined here. We've got some earthquake requirements. But there's nothing for hurricanes. Now, that is a little bit of a limitation we found, is that we can't do hurricane-specific attributes for central facilities in CDMS. These are some optional inputs. Again, just kind of um, showing you what you can update. But, you know, this really kind of got me thinking. I've got all these required inputs. I've got all these optional inputs. Well, what is the model actually looking for, and how how is it using it? So you kind of need to start thinking about your inputs and your outputs. So for essential facilities, it's going to give you your loss of functionality as well as your damage potential. And to get there, for the hurricane model, for example, it's looking at the location of the essential facility and the specific zoning type. Those are the key main things that get you to those results for the hurricane model. So all those other things that are required um, or optional, they may not be worth your time and resources to collect. Again, that, that all depends on what you're doing, but it's something to 
you have limited resources. Um, it might be better to use the defaults that are in Atlas, or it might be better um, to maybe verify some of those defaults, see if you can come up with a better one, and then apply a, a study area-wide assumption. Okay, so the next few slides is getting to a few of the hurdles that we face in collecting the data. The first one is building types. And so you see our first little column table here is our general building types. And you see wood, masonry, steel. I thought, how easy is that? We'll just, you know, look at a picture and we'll be able to tell you if, you know, it's got a brick front or concrete or whatever it's made out of. Well, when I actually started looking at what has those spawns, which makes perfect sense, Hazlitz is much more concerned about how the building is constructed because Hazlitz is telling us how does that building withstand the hazard. It doesn't really care what it looks like or what the exterior is. It wants to know how that building is framed and what's holding it up. Well, for me, I don't have much of a uh, building background, building science background, but it was a little bit of a challenge. Um, what we found, especially with our university plans, is that it is wonderful to bring around some uh, building officials and building managers. They know their buildings inside and out, and they know a lot about buildings and construction, so they'll be able to help you identify some of those. And then, as we get into the specific building types, um, there's specific building types for the hurricane model and the earthquake model. So looking first at the hurricane model, um, you can get to the specific building type fairly easily if you can identify the general building type. The problem is you can't update it in CDMS, and I believe I mentioned that earlier. The good news is you can still update it. You just have to do it within the model, which makes it a little bit more tedious. Now, the earthquake model is kind of a different story. The um, specific building types get very specific, and I'm just kind of giving, these are two general examples. They're not actual specific building types, but um, just some of the things you may face is reinforced first reinforced masonry versus unreinforced masonry. Well, you can't tell that from a picture at all. And you really can't tell it even if you're doing a site visit. You kind of have to have some background information. Um, you can drill a hole in the wall and see if it's got that metal that makes it reinforced, which is probably not an option. Um, and there's also something that's basically like a big stud binder that can help you find that um, metal reinforcing bar. So I guess the, the whole point in telling you all that is if you're not interested in the earthquake model, it might not be so important to go and figure out is it reinforced or is it unreinforced. Um, another hurdle was foundation type. Again, um, you know, that's something you can pretty much look at a, a picture and be able to tell most of them, but maybe not all. If you're looking at a picture straight on, it may be hard to tell if it has a basement or if it has a cross base. Um, so again, that's just kind of emphasizing the point that our site visits were extremely important. Another thing we did is create this little document. Um, as you can see here, I have two examples of different foundation types. We created a little picture for each of them. And um, that we can take it with us and help us identify our foundation type. Or if you are in kind of a different situation where maybe you're sending these out to stakeholders and asking them to identify what it is, you can send this along to help them best identify their foundation type. And then just a couple miscellaneous ones, I guess, that were required. Uh, the this ID, unless the buildings were existing, I'd go ahead and let CDMS assign it. It's just something that's a lot easier. There's, it's 
really easy to do it with NCDMS, so that's something I like to do. With the damage functions, I don't tend to tinker on those very much. Um, I usually take a look just to make sure they're making sense, but other than that, I'm very cautious to make any changes to that. Just, um, I'm not an engineer, so I don't fully understand everything that went into them and everything that's going out. And also, um, I'm not really singling out earthquakes here, but it could go for any one of the models. Um, if you're not that interested in it, just make sure that your defaults are valid or whatever you're putting into it are valid. And there's some things that we can check with, you know, we can get a good assumption for without having to do too much work. For example, if we're looking at, say, soil, um, soil type D is the default throughout most of the model. Um, we can easily look at a soil map online for the USGS. It's free. Um, it's pretty easy. So that's something we can change really easy. We don't necessarily have to go do like a soil analysis to get to the bottom of that. So, I mean, those were kind of the, the big data question hurdles that we face. And then once we do that, we can go ahead and refer back to that template, go ahead and enter all your data. It's just good practice. Know that um, check to make sure your inventory is updated. You can see here, going back to that USCV for outline, and our three critical facilities that we outlined are now showing up, and we've got schools that we can run analysis on. And then I know I threw a lot of information at you really fast, so I figured it'd be um, a good idea to go ahead and just kind of review everything that we talked about. So kind of the first one is, if you're gonna do university analysis, we really need to make sure um, you're gonna have to use some sort of building inventory update. It doesn't have to be through CDMS. You could also do a UDF um, update, for example. All depends on what you are out of the model. Um, export CDMS, you can use that as a template. Just do a query for what you're looking for. It pops out. Um, that tells you everything that it will accept, and that's going to help you get through those validation errors. At the end, everything will be formatted correctly. And then just refer to your uh, CDMS data dictionary and your technical manuals to kind of look at those other factors that we talked about. We found that doing the site visit, that was really important to getting good data and understanding uh, the study area that we were working with. I also think it's really important to have a team. We have um, the building facilities managers from the university, have somebody who understands GIS, somebody who understands hazards or project managers, maybe an engineer. All those people, they all have a place on your team, and the more uh, cohesive and variety of skills you can have, the better data you're going to be able to pull out. So we talked about this, knowing your inputs and outputs, um, kind of understanding what you want to get out of the model, if that's there, and if it's worth your time and resources to go after um, some of the inputs that maybe aren't uh, not necessarily required. Maybe some of the ones that aren't required, you, those optional ones that might not be worth your time to collapse. Um, unfortunately, for hurricane-specific attributes, you can't do that through CDMS. Um, there is one way to do it if you're doing, if you have a ton of information and you have a, a limited sample size, we can do a specific building update, update through CDMS, but um, it's fairly time-consuming and it's definitely not an option for essential facilities. And then I also think it's important to point out that the number of buildings can affect this process. You know, we're working with uh, USC Buford and even the whole USC system. Throughout the entire thing, we probably have maybe 100 buildings, and we've had a pretty good timeline to spread that out. So if you had, say, 500 buildings that you needed to analyze pretty fast, 
doing something like a site visit might not be possible. So, that's the end for me. I'll be happy to take any questions. Do a bottle along the way. Thank you for presenting. This is Melissa. Um, do you have any? Did you happen to do a an analysis um, before you updated the the data set, and then kind of compare like pre update and post update some of the damages potentially? Well, I mean, for the university, there was there was nothing there for the most part, and if there was, it's just because the universities are just represented as a single point. Um, no, I mean it. Actually, I think throughout the entire state of South Carolina, I don't think that has us had any of the colleges represented even as a single point, any of the regional campuses as a single point. Oh, okay. But it would be interesting to do. I mean, maybe it, it might be worth our time to just kind of use the defaults um, with one point and see the differences. Yeah, that would be interesting. Anyone else on the call have any questions? I know you do. This is Chris Emmerich from uh, the University of South Carolina. Hey. I have a question. Uh, I don't know if you were on the call last time. I don't even know if it was last time. But I discussed some of the other things you can do in HAZIS to, to the back end to maybe change uh, replacement costs or other functions. Have you looked into any of that? And is that, uh, or are you planning on looking into any of that to make it more place specific? Um, I mean, we have to do as much as you can for just the essential facilities analysis. Updating something like replacement value was a little bit of a surprise for us, but you actually don't um, get any dollar losses strictly in your essential facilities losses or results. You get um, lots of functionality in days as well as percentage damage in several different categories. So, I mean, we, that is something that we update. It, it, kind of affects other parts of the model, but I guess the answer is we update as much as we can. <laughs> Have you guys had an opportunity to do um, the other campuses yet? The other campuses mean the other regional campuses? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're through all the, the data collection part, and we've run most of the analysis. Um, I think I've run everything except for USC Columbia, so. We've had a pretty long timeline on this project, which has made it nice um, to kind of spread out that data collection effort. Um, related to the time factor, um, if if someone on the call was interested in updating their university, is, do you have any suggestions for how much time it will take to, to do the inventory and do, do the data collection? Um, what sort of like pre-planning that they should take into consideration? Um, to be honest, the actual data collection doesn't take too long. I mean, you're, you're going to have to request data from a variety of people. Like, for example, if you can get, get a hold of some insurance documents, we found those are really helpful in getting some of the specific attributes. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I think it's good to have a team on hand, so it may take you a few days to maybe gather a team. Um, doing the site visits, we could usually do that in a day or less, and then half a day for the smaller campuses. So, I mean, I think you could probably get the data collection done in, you know, less than a week if that's what you were focusing on. Great. Um, thank you so much. Does anyone else on the call have a question? 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Caroline. Um, I really enjoyed your presentation. I know that we are doing a lot of uh, data updates here at the state level, but it's nice to see that um, some of the local uh, campuses are looking into data updates as well. Um, and is there anything else you wanted to add before we close out, Caroline? Oh, nice. Thanks for having me. And if you have any questions, um, feel free to contact me. See my contacts on the screen. And if anybody wants the presentation, I'm happy to give it out. Can we post the presentation, Caroline, to the Use Hazus website? That's fine with me. Okay. Can you send it to me as a PDF? Sure. Okay. Thank you. All right. That sounds great. Um, thank you again. Um, I will go ahead and type up the minutes from the meeting, and I will post them online uh, probably later this week and send everyone an email. I'll include links to um, some of the conference information as well. Um, and just so everyone knows, our next call is tentatively scheduled for November 1st, 2011 at 10 a.m., I will be looking for a guest speaker, so if anyone here on the call has an idea, or you can say it now or call me later or send me an email if you have suggestions or, or if you have something to present yourself. Um, I do know that other states in our region are looking to start has a user group, so I do eventually want to get them on the call and maybe do a joint call again. Um, and as always, continue to check our website for more updates. Um, thank you all for attending. Thank you.